It's our time to listen to the word of God. And this morning, our reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 6 to 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 6. And as you've heard, our topic for the sermon today is sowing and reaping. I will remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. And that is the word of God. Praise be to God. Let us pray uh, for our pastor, Reverend Kasim, as he brings the word of God to us. We thank you, our God and our Father, for this moment, an opportunity to listen as you speak to us. Father, we pray that let our hearts be completely submitted to you, that we may, Lord, receive and hear your voice as you speak into the different areas of our lives and even more in the area of giving, Lord. We thank you for your servant, Reverend Kasim, as he brings your word to us today, Lord. Speak through him, Lord, and let your word come forth clearly, Lord, Lord, as we hear you speaking through him today. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. And good morning, church. Could we greet one another just like this, if you can just wave this? Yeah, God bless you. God bless you very much. And Reverend Irene, allow me to... Um, so that I do not disappoint um, Sharon, who has prepared a recitation. I think she has prepared someone to recite just part of those verses. Please come forward and do this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. That's the word of God. Thank you. So, Matas Money. As we share the sermon today, sowing and reaping. Usually, uh, Pastor Irene, you agree, and everybody else, that uh, those are not some of the sermons that uh, are, uh, people would consider to be like spirit-filled uh, sermons, um, but uh, like gazing upon heaven. But uh, yet, matters money are very important. Those who have come here for the first time, um, people like the, the Muemas and also um, Wanjiro and Gekonyo. Uh, sana. We really uh, hope that you can stay. If you're looking for a church, we hope that you can consider this to be your church. And that would be lovely for us to have you and to put you in our groups and continue to care for you as we point you to the cross of Jesus Christ where we find our rest. So therefore, uh, matters money and Christian giving is one of the most feared business of the pulpit. And a preacher actually risks being uh, labeled as money-minded. 
And yet, it is one of those truths that fully liberates a church and a Christian for good works in this heavenly journey. So we still take the risk as preachers and each um, uh, to teach you, you know, uh, these truths. But we are closing our series uh, this morning on the grace of giving with Apostle Paul's very, very interesting uh, illustrations of sowing and reaping in a farming environment, as you have uh, heard from the readings in chapter 9, verses 1, um, up to about 13. I know we have read up to 9, but we might touch base on the next few verses to connect um, if we find time. And it obviously so, uh, sounds like uh, he's giving us the new law of Christian giving. Liberality or um, generosity or, um, or uh, Christian giving is necessary for a true Christian. So is there a need for us to also reflect on the Old Testament law of giving before we join Paul in his New Testament uh, rules? And why not? Why not do that? In fact, Paul himself recommends that uh, we look back to chapter 8 and a little bit of Exodus into the law of Moses. When he begins uh, verse 6, you realize he says, remember this. What does he want us to remember? He wants us to remember to reflect on the previous things that Paul has already said before so that we summarize this and conclude. Verse 8, uh, sorry, chapter 8, verse 1, all the way to around 15, that is what we must reflect on. So it is unfair for me to proceed when he said, remember this. So I have to do justice by pulling you to, to follow me. We remember what he has said previously. In chapter 8, verse 1 to 8, Paul has given us two examples of givers. First of all, we have the Macedonian and then Christ. Those are the two examples of givers. Macedonians gave out of poverty. They gave out of love. And they gave themselves first. That's the example he gives so that he urges the Corinthians to continue in the grace of giving so that their, their doors are open and they can grow in the works of ministry. And what we say, what we see from those things, especially the out of poverty that they gave out of poverty, when they were very poor, when things were doing very bad, that's when they gave most. Number two, they gave out of love. They gave, having in mind, those that needed it every time. And then they gave themselves first before anything else. What is that? That is called the grace of commitment. So Paul wants us to remember before we move to these few conclusions that he has. Number two, he wants us to remember Christ. Christ, he was rich in heavenly glory. He became poor for our own sake. So now, because of that, we are rich in the promise of eternal life. And we are heirs of heavenly glory. What is that? What we learn from Christ's example, we learn of the grace of humility. So he wants us to remember those two things, the two examples and the two graces, the grace of commitment and the grace of humility. Verse 9 to 12, in the previous chapter 8, Paul gives us three principles of the grace of giving. The first principle is verse 9 to 11, which is called the principle of willingness. 
that if you are growing in the grace of giving and to benefit from that which comes from that grace as you practice the grace, then there must be first a willing mind, then a willing hand. Moses said the same thing in Exodus chapter 35, verse 5. He said, whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring a sacrifice. Only that which is given out of a willing heart is acceptable to God. The principle of willingness, if you have to give, it's from a willing heart, then a willing hand. Number two principle that he has already said he wants us to remember is the principle of proportionality. Verse 12, the principle of proportionality. There must be a self-examination before you give it to the Lord. The widow of the temple, you remember, gave only two, uh, two mites. But Jesus thinks she gave the world. She gave only two mites. But Jesus thinks she gave the whole world. A watchman in the river, there was a project in a church that I knew of a construction. They wanted to construct a big uh, cathedral. And when people brought everything they had, others wrote huge checks. There was one watchman who attended the service. I did know him. I knew him. And he brought the only radio that he had. His living budget was 150% of what he earned. So he was always trusting the Lord. And he would, uh, you know, ask me in, uh, in his own Kiswahili that to stand with him every day for financial breakthrough. When the time came, he brought the only radio that he had ever bought in his life. He brought to the church so I can be auctioned. Nobody was willing to buy that radio. It went for only 200 shillings. What do you think Jesus thinks about that radio? He thinks the watchman gave the world. When some of us who are working, we gave some chicks. The seniors of Nairobi Baptist Church in Rongai recently, upon their retirement, when we needed to say, church, we are giving this season. And they said, we are retired. We don't have a pay slip. We are not even going out to look for work, most of us. But what, what we have, we shall give. What did they give? They gave their energy to walk the field here and raised over 800,000 shillings just out of walking. We are surprised that up to now, some family members are still supporting their seniors for the work they did. And their account is not yet closed. The debate of 10% tithe still disturbs those who look to, you know, they're looking for excuses not to, to, to obey. Yes, that was Old Testament law of Moses. And it is uh, very correct. It was the Old Testament law of Moses. But the New Testament church today is under the law. Not under the law, but under the grace. Praise the Lord. But that does not relieve us. Paul here actually raises the standards. He raises the bar to not only 10%. But according to your measure, that is under the principle of pro proportionality. This means that 10% is therefore the minimum that you can give. Obviously, God doesn't ask for what he hasn't given you. What he has given you can produce 10% and more. It was very wrong for us. To go looking for offering, when you do not have offering to come to the church, you go borrowing 
so that tomorrow when you go working, you pay. No, God is not really, it's not a tax. God is not asking you to give that which you do not have. He's asking you to give that which he has given you because he is a provider. He is the giver. When he has given you, give to the Lord. So the law of 10% was the law of Moses. But in the New Testament, now it is even the minimum because it's given you. And you realize that after you have given 10%, we continue to minister to, to very many needs um, as we go in this journey. But there is also the principle of reciprocity and equality, verse 15. Now that's where we are, we are stopping so that we go to the summary because it's easier than actually chapter 8. So the principle of reciprocity, to reciprocate is to, to respond. To reciprocate is to respond. That if you greet me, I also greet you. Like the other guy that we had who said we will surely revenge that we will reciprocate. So there must be equality of attitude in the body of Christ. We can have the same attitude towards him even when our harvests are different in seasons. Even when you are earning a salary of 2 million per month, and when you are earning a salary of 3,000 shillings per month, we can, our harvests in the field for that season may be different, but the body of Jesus Christ must have one attitude, that one who knows that it is the Lord who gives, and it is him that I will give to, that we think the same way. And Jerusalem needed funds for ministry at a time when Corinth had them. And Paul was hoping that the situation would reverse when the former would actually give to other churches or even to Corinth. Because, brothers and sisters, this life has situations that change. Today, the one who is giving, tomorrow is the receiver. Today, it is the parent who is providing to the child. Tomorrow, it is the child providing to the, to the parent. Today, you are the one giving me the lift. But tomorrow, situation change that I will remember that your car is not working, I might have to give you a lift. Because it is nowhere written that you will be like this forever. Situations do change. And therefore, there is the equality of attitude that Paul was saying, you, you, you Corinthians, give to Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem will one day give to Judea or back to you. But having this in mind, then now we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 13. And this is purely the results of Christian giving. This is the result of Christian giving. That's what we're talking about today. Having that in mind, the two examples and the two graces, having in mind the three key principles of giving, now he comes to say the following. Paul could only summarize pointing out, pointing us to the genuine motivation for giving. We are motivated by what is going to happen. By the results of our giving, if we know in advance, then we have the correct um, or genuine motivation to give. If you do not understand these motivations, then your giving is amiss. This is very important as we study this. So the motivation in the understanding of who benefits when we give is very important. Now, there are three motivations here. 
First of all, Paul wants them to know when you give, the provider or the giver is increased. Number two, when you give, the poor is uplifted and promoted from a wanting status to a satisfied status. And the Lord, number three, the Lord is glorified through your giving. Number one, the provider is enhanced or is increased. The provider, the giver, grows. Number two, the, the one receiving who is the poor, the poor is uplifted and promoted to a new status just because you gave. And number three, as you do all this, the Lord is glorified. Let's touch base on this very briefly. The provider or the giver is increased. This is why Paul says, you will reap generously. The one who gives generously is going to receive, to, re to reap generously. The one who sows generously, planting, is going to receive generously. So Christian giving isn't just an activity. It is an investment. Both in this life and the life above. I heard about a story of a Baptist pastor in Minneapolis who led a very large fundraise activity in his church. They gave a lot of money. The word went around everywhere. He gave him publicity, and this led to a bigger assignment, which he actually accepted, and he left the church to do a bigger thing that was going to benefit more people. So he made huge profits in that, for that company. His skills and his grace and the anointing probably that he had actually multiplied the amount of uh, profits the company was receiving, but he also became dissatisfied with the percentage of his take home. Because I am giving you so much, you are growing so much, yet my salary is so little. But you see, he was hired for a salary. So the owner of the company could not give him more than the salary. When he noticed that this ex-pastor is not happy, he actually realized and asked him, Please hand over all your income, all your wealth. Look for all your wealth and hand over to me. I'm wondering, Patrick, would you do that? Would you do that, Dazlin? Would you? Would you give? Hand over. Hand over. Um, Pastor Irene, uh, you are not satisfied with, um, with, um, with the salary? Nairobi Baptist Church? Hand over all your wealth. Sell your car and everything. Bring. Now, if you are asked that, would you really? Why? First of all, why? Why are you concerned about my wealth? Actually, the ex-pastor experienced in obedience and trust. That was his legacy. He knew obedience and trusting. He actually brought all his wealth to the, to the owner of the company. The company owner had another experience. He was experienced in production. So, he invested that wealth of the marketing manager who was the ex-pastor. And in a few years, the ex-pastor was reported to have been worth between six and eight million dollars. And Paul says that God is able. When he says that God is able, more than the company owner, he is able to take the wealth you hand over to him. That's the idea. And he can multiply that in a number of years. You are worth more, much more. Even more motivating is the fact that you have invested in heaven where your equivalent of a Lamborghini 
Is that how you pronounce it? Well, um, where I came from, we did not have uh, problems of pronunciations as long as we have said it. It is these days that we are beginning to develop it. So um, the Lamborghini, um, the, that, 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 that very posh car, you know, um, you, that is where the, your equivalent is. That is where your riches are. That when Christ takes over your wealth, he multiplies it. You are worth more than this wealth that we are hearing of six to eight million U.S. dollars. Because the inheritance that we have in heaven is far much bigger. Can someone say amen? amen? Amen. You need only to specialize in the ministry of this ex-pastor. What was his experience again? He was experienced in what? In obedience and trusting. He knew how to obey and he knew how to trust. But God is a specialist. God is a specialist in production and multiplication. And Paul seems to allude. Do you remember what Christ did? When these people had only very little fish and bread, he took, he gave thanks, and it was multiplied to feed thousands of people. He is a multiplier. He is a specialist in production. He is a specialist in multiplication. But he is waiting for anybody who can do that. Hand over your wealth. Are you satisfied with what you have? Then that is okay. But just in case you are not satisfied with what you have, hand over to Christ. He is the master of multiplication. But of course I am with a few examples uh, before we close for you to try to get that better. But number two, the poor is uplifted and promoted from a wanting station to a satisfied status. Judea was near Jerusalem, but they watched them suffer in a bad agricultural and economic season. But Corinth, a distant neighbor, was helping, courtesy of Paul's teaching on Christian motivation for giving. So, I remember, this takes me to an example I remember in 2019, in Nairobi Baptist Church, Kitengela. In the evening around Christmas, when Christmas was just about to, to you know, to, yeah, I think it was around 23rd or something or 22nd. In the evening, we remained late and I saw a group of people coming through the gate. They were carrying things, bales of um, chapati flour, flour. And they were many People with their wives and their children. Others are holding children. Others are holding, um, you know, bags and coming. And they were coming from a slum, a, a place, a place, you know, um, that was regarded to be where many people uh, lived that did not have much to give. But they came carrying. They had walked for three kilometers because I knew where the place was. When they came, they just said, Pastor, we have brought Christmas. We have been saving this money since June. Little by little, someone has been given 10 shillings saving so that Christmas they have a gift. Why? They said, Pastor, you guys will know just in case someone doesn't have chapati flour. Here it is. I offered to take them there in the car, but they said, Pastor, no. Who will take us there tomorrow? I saw them going. Going through the gate, I actually came out and watched them through the gate. 
and they went all of them disappeared with their wives and children. And they are tired. They have been carrying those things for three kilometers. It was a GG, a growth group. My office is now a food store here. Because you, brethren, have acquired the grace of commitment. I actually have been telling these pastors that I don't have an office. I work in a store, in a food store. Because you have brought food throughout. Even now, there is food. Some people have been bringing food here every other week without fail. The community now is calling us the church with the poor. As you know, I am still new, so I'm trying to stop everywhere and greet people. I stopped and, and greeted a few people uh, near the shop, and I asked and told them, I know you don't know me. They said, no, we know. I am the pastor. I'm a pastor, one of the pastors in this church here. We know you are from this church, which is helping our poor people. I said, no, we have not started helping. No, we know. We know this church. This is the church with the poor. I almost shed tears. The little that we do has given glory to God. Yet we think we don't do much because there are churches that are actually doing much more. I lost an opportunity to give a spare car. There is a time I had a spare car and I had planned to give to a pastor who working in a rural churches and he was ordained to be a reverend for several churches and I learned that he actually was late for a wedding for five hours because the matatu failed to turn up. And that time there were no motorbikes. He walked five hours. He reached there. He joined a wedding. And I had two cars. But the car I had loaned to someone, given to someone, so he spoiled. I actually promised myself that I would give. But the car never came back. I felt that if I gave him, it would have promoted. He came embarrassed. Everybody was calling him the man of Route 11, the pastor of Route 11. He was always walking. Other younger pastors were coming, and they had a church. They, they had a fundraise, and they were buying a cars. But this one remained true to his calling. He didn't have to burden the church to give him a car, but he was embarrassed. I, I lost an opportunity to bless a man of God that would have promoted him from a wanting st state to a satisfied state. And then I cried even more when, the heart up, when that happened to me. I had a car breakdown and was doing a burial that weekend and was about to connect very many matatus when I gained courage to borrow a car from um, a Christian family. I drove, when I went there, I realized they had two cars. One had problems and the other one was a nice car, very posh car. Then they discussed and they gave me the good one. I, I tried to convince them to retain the other one. They refused. They said, Pastor, you deserve the good one so that the bad one, if we, had a, we have a problem, we can repair. We want you to go and come back I tried to hide my tears as a leader. They are not very far, my tears. But I tried to keep them far that particular day. But as I drove outside their gate, I wanted to, know, to get to the gate. I got to the gate and I went, I drove crying. I shed tears. I had my handkerchief until I got to my house, changed and went. 
And I and my family did a very nice burial. We turned with the car. And I said, now, the very embarrassed pastor I was going to be, someone has actually promoted me from a wanting state to a satisfied state. When you give, the poor are promoted. The other days, one of you gave clothes. You have no idea. Ask Pastor Irene when she was distributing the clothes that someone has come this in this state and going out, out of here. Some of them were not even carrying. They would wear and go out of here. Completely changed. When you give, the poor are promoted. And as you do that, then the glory of the Lord is increasing. The glory of the Lord is increasing through your giving. Nothing can enrich a church more than the grace of giving. Paul promises Corinthians that their generous and willing giving would end in many rich returns, including the richness of thanksgiving, the richness of affection, and the richness of prayer, and the richness of glory to God. And therefore, this is a summary as we go home. As you desire the grace of giving, this, this week, I actually talked with my siblings because I was feeling guilty. We were actually assessing ourselves. How mean are we? Do, do, not, not, my, not my children and my wife, but my siblings. We tried to analyze who was the meanest uh, in the group and who was the most generous. I am sorry I know you are waiting to know where I belong. Because human beings, they really like listening to stories of others. But even um, as I, I decided not to give you um, the outcome, I was actually ranked. I wasn't the last, but I wasn't the best. But we actually concluded that we are not a... Yeah, but then what about you? What about you? What about your family? What about you as a person? Are, do you, are you in the grace of giving? Could it be that you have not gathered your wealth and handed over to God? So that he can multiply and produce for you? Are you really one of the givers? Would you be celebrated on your dying day that this one here is a wonderful giver? This is a general in the ministry of giving. But what are we talking about? Are we talking about money only? No. This is a summary of the, the law of sowing and reaping. This is a summary. The harvest is always bigger than the seed. You can never outgive God in his farm of production. Every time you invest in a shamba, one kilo, you're likely to get 50 kilos of beans. So the harvest is always bigger than the seed. What you give, you get more. Practically, practically you may not see, but God gives you more. And therefore, you can never say that I work, I serve voluntarily. No, you don't serve in this church voluntarily. No, it is not voluntary. You are paid by God. You are paid. This is why the pastors can say, Joshua, go do this. Um, um, Benjamin, go arrange those seats. Because you have been um, hired. You are already hired. You are an employee of the Father. I am only required as a pastor to assign duties because we are all hired. Praise the Lord. So you don't say that is volunteer. No, you are hired. You are serving the Lord. You feel you are in his payroll. 
You may not be hired by men because you may have to do other things, but you are in his payroll. You are called to ministry. He is paying you in very many ways that you may not see. The harvest is always bigger than the seed. The harvest is of the same type. The other rule is that the harvest is of the same type of seed you planted. If you plant gossip, you harvest gossip. And you harvest in a bigger way. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, only on that one. Can you say amen, everybody? Amen. If you plant gossip, if you learn the art of gossiping, Pastor Irene, thank you very much. You are just planting. There's, the rains will come. A season one day will come. Then that seed will grow. You will be gossiped much more than the seed. Remember the harvest is bigger than the seed. If you learn to take people's daughters, you can plant. Just plant. It is planting season. The rains have just come. No problem. The rains will go and the, and the seed will, will, will develop your daughters. Do you have daughters? Or do you have your, 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 your sisters, your daughters, your, 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 your cousin's daughters? It, the season will come. What you plant, you harvest more. So it is not just in money. It's every, everything. If you plant time, if you give God time, he will give you more. I remember a certain time in my life when I took leave and one leave. And instead of spending it on myself, I spent it on missions. I felt a very stupid man. But shortly after that, the Lord gave me study leave. An opportunity like this until study leave, a long study leave came. You plant time, the Lord will give you time. Plant skills and the Lord will give you greater skills. I used to hear in Nairobi Baptist Church, when I was in the rural areas, I used to hear that the cabinet ministers and assistant ministers are ushers in Nairobi Baptist Church. Those who have been here for long, maybe you know that, I mean you know better. That they are ushers. Even a call, our cabinet minister in the government, when they come to church, they are actually ushers and welcomers. You plant and you harvest. The last thing is that the next quantity of seeds is bigger than the original. You have more to give as long as your heart is willing to give. The verse says, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is in, written in verse 9. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Let us stand. Tunakuabudu mungu because you are the master of production. You are the master of multiplication. Lord, you have given me, if you have given me help, I will clap unto you. I will not be uh, ashamed. When it is time to dance, I will dance before my knees betray me. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, never fear to dance unto the Lord. There will be a day. Stop sitting down too early. You will sit for a long time. The age is coming. Things are happening all the time. God has given you beauty. Hand over your beauty to the Lord. God has given you money. Give your money to the Lord. God has given you skills and intelligence. Give it to the Lord. God has given you a voice. Give unto the Lord. Give unto the Lord. Even as we worship.
As the keyboardist continues playing from the background, could we take a moment to repent? That the multiplier has been calling us, hand over your wealth. In my farm and I will multiply it. Hand over your knowledge to me. Hand over your life to me and I will multiply. Hand over and you have been hanging on to it. Would you do like the the ex-pastor of Minneapolis and give your life to the Lord and say, I hand over to you. This life can be taken in a matatu. This life can be taken by corona. This life can be taken by anything. I give it to you, Lord, who is able to multiply and give me everlasting life. I hand over my family. I hand over my husband. What can I do? How can I control my husband? I don't know where he goes in the morning, in the evening. I hand him over to you. Who is able to multiply? Who is able to cleanse him? I hand over my wife. I hand over my children. How can I take care of them? You who is able, I hand over to you. I hand over my career which is at risk. My job because there are many people. But the Lord protects me. I hand over totally to you. I bring all to you. I surrender to you withholding nothing. We welcome you into our situations, Lord, even in our wallets. Even into the most secret parts of our lives. What is it, Lord, that we can hide from you? Even the secret sins. Lord, have your way in our lives. Cleansing us. Cleansing our disobedience. Sweeping through our finances. Sweeping through our time. In our ministry giftings. And the Lord wake us up to be a church alive. To be a family alive and cause us to come. And Lord, even as we go home, as children of the Father lift up their hands before you this time, how I pray that, Lord, you will watch over them. I pray that you will watch over them as they go, that they are blessed as they go and they are blessed as they come. May the Lord be your shield. May the Lord be your city of refuge. May he become your fortress. May he not allow the enemy to prevail. No weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. May the Lord fight for you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever the enemy has planned, all the plans and the meetings of hell against you, we pull them down in the name of Jesus Christ. May he suffer defeat. May the Lord give you to be a victor. May the Lord give you a victor, whatever the case may be. Or even as you travel on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even accidents on the road, may the Lord pull them down for you in the name of Jesus Christ. May you enjoy the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Even as you come back on Sunday to bring in the ships. For this is my prayer to the Lord for you in the name of, who, of, of God, who is Son, who is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's give a clap unto the Lord. Amen. And uh, please look at someone, just face someone as we share the grace together. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. You are more than a conqueror.